to another episode of the five foot nothing hundred nothing podcast i'm your host and i am five foot nothing a hundred nothing all right guys welcome in welcome back thank you thank you thank you to all the new listeners uh got a lot of support from my last episode maybe that had to do with the see a shot do a shot little thing we had going with the irish community on twitter but nonetheless, I don't care how you ended up here. Thank you. Follow me on Twitter at Five Foot Nothing Pod. If you want to get deeper conversation going, shoot me an email or a direct message. Email Five Foot Nothing Pod at gmail.com. Now it's USC week, so we're going to have to talk about the hated rival USC. And I thought I could just talk about the game. But tell me if you've heard this before. I can't just talk about the game without having a whole segment dedicated to our quarterback situation. <laughs> How many games in a row are we going to do this? But we will get into all of that. I will talk about USC and what they're doing and what they look like and what we need to do and what I want to see and all that good stuff. But I also... Everybody's been putting out their, you know, UFC game memory type things. Um, most notably the 2005 Bush Push game. And I have a story about that one. But I also have my own story about my, my one and only Notre Dame USC game in person. So we're going to talk about it all. So let's get into it. Watch me for the changes. And try to keep up. Alright, now I saw so many people talking about their USC Notre Dame experiences. Shout out to Always Irish John. He put a, a whole hour and a half, I believe it was, documentary about his uh, 2005 Notre Dame USC Bush Push game experience. That was awesome. Mine isn't quite that cool for the 2005 story. Um, but I'll share it. But I got to start with my first in-person and only in-person Notre Dame-USC game. I lived in Jersey at the time. I was 13. And me, it was 1997. Me and my dad go out to South Bend. It's Notre Dame-USC. And we had, what, Ron Paulus was our quarterback, Archie Denson in the backfield and, and all that. But we weren't a very good team all in all. USC was actually pretty good. Um, but the mo- most vivid memory I have of that game, besides the fact that we lost on a field goal, in the me and my dad were kind of in the end zone, and uh, we were we watched the ball come right at us, and they with like a minute to go, they kicked the game-winning field goal. We lost twenty to seventeen. But all I remember is where we were. We were like literally maybe 15 rows up, um, kind of right behind. You know how the band, the opposing band, is kind of in that that one end zone, kind of in that corner? So we're right behind the USC band. And if you know the tune to the USC fight song, it kind of goes, dun, 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 dun. So, we hear that numerous times throughout the game. I believe it's their fight song. Maybe it's not, but it's something that they play consistently throughout the game. It's just something they do. I don't know what it means to USC, but what it did mean to the four guys directly behind me and my dad, and this is 1997, okay? What I'm about to tell you, this is how much we don't like USC. This is how much we can't stand USC. Like, it just, 
forever. Doesn't matter how many years down the road. We're still going to hate USC and everything associated with USC, such as OJ Simpson. So every time this dun, 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 every time it happened, these four guys behind me and my dad, they just sit there, slash, 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 and stab, slash, and stab, slash, 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 and stab, slash, and stab. And I couldn't get enough of it. Like, it's three years after the OJ stuff. And there's, these guys are still sitting there basically saying, fuck USC, fuck USC, fuck you some more, fuck USC. And I enjoyed every second of it at 13 years old. That was awesome. Unfortunately, we did lose the game, and that kind of spoils the experience. But it's definitely a moment I will never forget. And I always knew we didn't like USC. That was kind of the game my dad and his college buddies got together for. We all kind of lived in the Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, that that just northeast area. That was the game we always got together for if it was not in South Bend. Um, Because a lot of the guys tried to go to the game in South Bend. But when it was in Los Angeles, that was the game we always got together for. So I knew we didn't like USC. But in that moment, I was like, wow, we really don't like USC. Like, it didn't... I'm a kid. It didn't really... It didn't register. But that game... That moment, 1997, I was like, okay, FUSC, understood. So, you know, I go through my life as a Notre Dame fan. We don't like USC. So fast forward to 2005. Now, everybody's got their stories. Mine is not as extravagant or maybe as interesting as some others as John sleeping outside the stadium and all that good stuff. Um, I was in my apartment in college, uh, scheduled to go into work at six o'clock. Now it was a central time. So the game ended before I had to be at my shift. And I was, obviously everybody was hyped for this. Notre Dame was number nine. We, we had some things to be happy about. We had an unfortunate loss at this point in overtime to Michigan State, which, side note, which is a precursor to what my story leads into, the job I had to go to was at a TGI Fridays where I was a waiter. And one of my managers was a Michigan State graduate. And I always called him Sparty. What's up, Sparty? It was just kind of a joke. Of course, when Michigan State beat us in overtime that particular year, you know, he gave me the business, and it it sucked, but I get it. I mean, it's that's just part of the deal. Like, it's just, that's what sports is. You rib each other, and when a friend or whoever is a fan of the team that just beat you, you take it. You have to. It's how it goes. But, so... They beat us, Michigan State does, and fast forward to the Notre Dame-USC game. I'm pumped for it. I'm excited for it. Everybody I know knows I'm a Notre Dame fan, and um, at this point, I'm in Texas, mind you, and they all know I'm a Notre Dame fan and all that kind of stuff, and I'm watching it in my apartment by myself, and, you know, just enjoying the game cheering on the edge of my seat, having a couple beers, and it looks like we're going to win. I mean, it's fourth and eight. USC's got the ball on their own, I don't know, what what was it, the 20? Like, we got this. Then they throw this pass that doesn't look like it's going to be successful. Then it just misses, I believe, it was what, Ambrose Wooden? Uh, I... Correct me if I'm wrong on that. I, I've seen so much, I should know this answer. But nonetheless, it goes right over his head and in the hands of Dwayne Jarrett. And then he, he races 60 yards downfield. And 
at that point, I was beside myself. I just remember, like, this is not fucking happening. Like, I was about to go into work and be like, we just took down the David Slade Goliath. We just took down USC. Hell yeah. After how many years of just nothing, we're back, go Irish. Like, I couldn't wait. And then the Dwayne Jarrett play happens. Like, okay, okay, we can, we got this. Like, we can still stop them. And then, obviously, we don't. The bush-push thing happens. For First, Matt Leinart fumbles out of bounds, and that whole concoction, that whole sequence was awful as a Notre Dame fan. We know it. We lived it. It happened. But my story doesn't end there. So that happens. And I just said, fuck it. I just, I don't know how, what I, I think I chugged two beers and just drank a third after I don't know how many I already had. And I said, let's go to work. And I was pissed. And I just like walking, driving to work and then getting out of my car, about to walk in the building like, if any of these motherfuckers say a goddamn thing about this fucking game, I, I'm going to lose my shit. I'm going to, it's going to be a problem. I want two steps in the door. And bartender yells over, Mike, how about them Irish? And, uh, Saturday night, it's TJ Fridays, 6 o'clock. There's people there. It's not empty. It's not an empty building. It's not an empty restaurant. He says, hey, Mike, how about them Irish? And I just yelled across the room, literally across the room. There were a lot of heads between me and the bartender. I said, go fuck yourself, Roper. Fuck you. Don't say another word to me tonight. And at that point, Sparty, the manager, came running over, kind of didn't grab me, per se, but kind of got my face and said, walk with me now. And I was like, oh, you, and I turned to him. I said, you can talk some more shit too about this fucking game? And he's like, stop talking and walk. <laughs> I was like, it was like my dad. I, like, I, I did something wrong. I got in trouble. Brings me to the office and he looks me square in the face and says, fix your attitude or go home and don't come back. And I was like, like, did you not watch the game? He goes, I did. You're here to work. Be done or go home and don't come back. So I had to just swallow my tongue for like, I don't know how many hours I worked. And maybe it's a blessing in disguise because it, it'll, it, the night got going and whatever, and I, I eventually calmed down. But that was the night I almost got fired. For just yelling obscenities at anybody who came across my path in the first five minutes I walked into work. So that's Notre Dame USC in a in a little glimpse, you know, a little snapshot. Two games. One, okay, we hate these people. And they beat us in a last second field goal. Fast forward uh what eight years. And it's same same shit, only I'm old enough to have some beer, have a little bit of attitude, have a better understanding of why we don't like USC. My Notre Dame fandom and passion were at an all-time high. Well, maybe now it's at an all-time high. I have a podcast, right? But point being, Notre Dame, USC, everybody's got stories and with all the uh, tweets and different things that people have put out about the 2005 game, you know, I kind of wanted to share my little story that, you know, not everybody's heard before with the, the 97 slash 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 and stab. So if you hear that on Saturday night, just have a good laugh and just think think of me. Th- think of little Mike Palkovic sitting in Corpus Christi, Texas, and just like 
Hell yeah, fuck USC, man. Slash, 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 and stab, slash, and stab. So, in conclusion, fuck USC. Now, we can discuss how Notre Dame will beat USC, and we can, at the end of the night, say fuck USC. Because I swear on everything holy, Jimmy Gallagher, at JLGallagher3 on Twitter, if we have another see-a-shot, do-a-shot moment during this game, we're going to have problems. And we'll discuss why that should, shouldn't happen from an offensive standpoint. But let's talk about USC and their offense and what they got going on. Well, first, first of all, Notre Dame is a six-and-a-half point favorite, which I don't know. I don't even know how to what to make of that. I think that has more to do with we're not going to score enough points to win by more than seven. You know, it's like it's not that USC is going to put up a ton of points. It's that we're not going to put up enough to win by a big enough margin. So uh, the spread's fair, but the spread's the spread. It's USC. It's Notre Dame. It's it's one of those things you just you kind of throw out records and things like that, you know. But because if you look at USC's season so far, they've they won their opening uh, week one game against San Jose State, which. It was 13-7 to going into the fourth quarter for perspective of where USC is at this year. But they won, they lost, they won, they lost, they won, they lost. That's what they've done. They, By the way, all the losses are at home. <laughs> they win on the road. Because <laughs> they have an eight-game win streak on the road. But what was crazy to me is none of these games at the end of the day were close. They they were more, I wouldn't say blowouts per se, but closer to blowouts than they were to competitive. I mean, they win 30-7, lose 42-28, win 45-14, lose 45-27, win 37-14, lose 42-26. The margins of victory are for either side, you know, 23-14-31-18-23-16. The closest game they've had is 14 points. And and that was the Stanford game, which if you watch that game, it wasn't even 14 points is how it ended, but it wasn't even that close. It's just been a wild ride um, if you're a USC fan, which I'm sorry if you are. I My apologies. But it it's a weird thing. So I like... The, I don't get it. They're averaging 37, almost 38 points in their wins uh, when scoring. And then in their losses, they're averaging 27 points. So I just, they're a weird team to figure out this year. Um, They seem to pass the ball well. They average 318 yards passing per game, which ranks 13th in the country. And I would say they're running the ball well. But when you compare it to Notre Dame, they're running the ball pretty well. They're averaging 129 yards a game, which ranks 84th. Which you could say 84th, that's not good. But, well, guys, we're, we're like 100. We've moved up because we had a good week. I think, I think we're like 112th now. We're still in the hundreds. We're still averaging like 90-something yards a game. We're not even at 100 yards a game rushing. So... We have no business laughing at 129 yards per game. Having said that, I do believe we have the the dudes defensively to slow down their run game and I think slow down their passing game. Uh, Mostly because it looks like, I say it looks like, but it's still not definitive, but Keenan Slovis might be the starter. Jackson Dart might not be healthy yet. So, we're it's a it's been a mix and match, uh, offense in, in the sense of it was Slovis to start, then Dark came in, then Dark got hurt. Now it's been back to Slovis. But the one thing that's remained the same is they've been chucking the ball, and they're averaging four hundred forty eight yards per game offensively. Uh, 
But I say with Slovis, we should be able to slow them down more is because he's not as mobile as Dart. Dart seems to be able to run a little bit. He's got some mobility. He he hasn't been sacked in the few games he's played. Slovis has been sacked seven times. That's nothing. I mean, we're we're professional. We take sack artists uh, on our side. We like twenty something. But no, the fact of the matter is, Slovis isn't the the more mobile of the two. He's not a statue, but uh, we could take advantage of that. You know, but the thing they have offensively that we need to stop, like they like to throw. But they like to throw to one particular person. His name is Drake London. Drake London, number 15. Six foot five. Drake London. I don't want to hear his name um, 11 times for 138 yards because that's what he's averaging over six games. This dude is averaging almost 11 catches a game for 138 yards a game. He's got for on the season 64 catches for 832 yards in 6 games. Like the it's one dimensional. I mean our our team has a little more distribution than that, which is nice. You, you want to see that kind of st- <clears throat> you want to see that kind of stuff. You know, like we've got what five, five receivers over 200 yards receiving. And uh, Mayer leads away with 32 catches. But to me, that's, you know, five receivers over 200 yards. That's nice distribution. Because you look at USC, and they've got um, only three guys over 100 yards receiving. Or, sorry, excuse me. I was looking at rushing. They've got... Well, they only have two guys over 200 and then they have five total over 100 yards. And two of those are barely over 100 yards. But it, all of that is to say that they're very, very one-dimensional and one guy. Like, <clears throat> their their whole offense is Drake London. They do, they do have uh, some guys that can run the ball, but again, I just, our run defense is solid. I mean, as long as we don't, Bring three-man fronts. Because, uh, reminder, it's USC. They do have talent. Sure, they're 3-3. Three and three. Yes, they haven't played good. And all that kind of stuff. But, you add a little bit of something on it because it's Notre Dame. You just factor in their, their talent individually. And we just... Nothing is taken for granted. Okay? And, and I'll get into the offense. We're talking about nothing's taken for granted. But defensively, as good as we have improved and looked these last several games, we still need to do what we are good at. And this secondary has improved. Cam Hart looks really good. Um... You know, we're, I know we're blitzing Kyle Hamilton a little bit more, and I think that's because we, I say we, the coaching staff has the confidence in the rest of the secondary to do their job and do their part. And you look at, you know, like look at what um, David Bell just did to Iowa with Purdue. Now I know he got knocked out partly during our game, but he wasn't really doing a whole lot against Notre Dame. Well, when Purdue came to town. So, I just, I don't want to see Drake London beat us. And that's the only guy that really has that ability. So, I I trust Marcus Freeman over two weeks to see this as well. And plan accordingly and scheme accordingly to have a way to make other guys make plays and based on the statistics, it doesn't look like they have that capability to kind of take over a game like London has. Like last game, London played. Now th- that's the other crazy part. You <laughs> you look at his la- like his statistics are insane, right? But what does it meant? That hasn't meant a whole lot. I mean, 
against Utah, they lost 42 to 26. London had 16 catches, 162 yards, and a touchdown. Okay, well, you still lost by 16. I don't know how important all that was. But the fact of the matter is, he's capable of it, and we need to make sure it doesn't happen. So, I just, there's not a lot from the offensive standpoint outside of Drake London that worries me or concerns me. I think we can shut down the run. If it is Slovis, I think we he makes mistakes. He's got nine TDs to five picks. It it feels like a little bit of a Graham Mertz situation. He's just not the most accurate passer. And we we have to take advantage of it. We gotta make make that count. You know, so from the, for their offense, it's it's Drake London and, and that's it. They yes, they have a couple running backs, but it's all gonna go through one guy. That's that's who they're gonna be looking to make plays. And if we let him make plays, it's gonna be a problem. So let's not do it. Let's not no more sixty yard plays. Let's we're over it, okay? Come to play. You had two weeks to prepare. Be ready. So, now, because I don't want to go on forever. But let's get into our offense versus their defense. First of all, let's talk about their defense. And then we'll discuss whatever the hell it is we're doing on offense. Which we don't know until Saturday, Saturday night. And, um... I'll have some opinions on on that here in, a, here in a second, but their defense isn't good, guys. It's not. It's just not. They they average like a sack a game, which okay, that we can make anybody look good. I I think that if we're run, running the same stuff we've been doing, but the fact of the matter is, like Virginia Tech was over like four sack or almost four sacks a game. That. That's a difference, you know? So, USC's defense isn't that. They're not going to get... Well, I shouldn't... I say that so definitively. But I swear to God, if we just open up the game with another negative drive with a sack, uh, Jameson bottles, I'll just do a whole new other... New Irish car bomb, just have them ready, on the ready... Is getting. Oh, I don't want to think about it. But where I was going is, I don't think they have the defense to do what has given us so much trouble to the extent it's given us trouble. If that makes sense, this is the worst defense we're going to face to this point in the season. Does that justify anything we've seen to this point? Hell no, it doesn't. It doesn't justify a damn thing, other than we need to see improvement now that we're playing lesser defenses. It's that simple. I mean, I mean, that's it. You know, they're, they're giving up 100, almost 150 yards rushing per game, 4.4 yards a carry. Please let us run the ball a little bit. Come on, right? And we started to see some, thing, some things looking good against Virginia Tech. Albeit with Buckner in there, not Jack Cohn. But their defense ranks overall 55th, but their pass defense is where we need to take advantage because it ranks 71st in the country. We have the guys and the weapons and all that kind of stuff to beat this defense. I mean, they gave up 42 to Stanford, 45 to Oregon State, 42 to Utah. Why why can't we do that? I can say with certainty, with certainty, we have more talent at the skill positions than Stanford and Oregon State and Utah. So, if they're putting up 42, 45, 42, why can't we? And then you combine that with the Marcus Freeman defense, and then 
we're going to win, like, you know, 42 to 20 or whatever the hell. Right? And I'll, I'll make a prediction here at the end. And uh, Heads up, it ain't going to be that. Because there's stuff we have to discuss. And I, I'm going to try to be quick. I, I don't know how to do that, though. I'm working on it. <laughs> but with their past defense not being good and the weapons we have, Michael Mayer's back and healthy. Avery Davis has been just shows up and does his job game in, game out. Awesome. Kevin Austin makes some freak plays. We have speed and Lindsey. Like, he's got a skill set. Kyron Williams and Tyree have proven valuable as pass catchers. So, we have the dudes to beat this team at what they're not good at. And they're not good against the run, but I'm still. I'm not totally sold that we've got our running game figured out with the idea that Jack Cohn's under center. Him under center just eliminates so many things that Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine open up from that position in terms of a secondary threat that you have to account for. Cohn doesn't have that threat of the run. So certain plays, it's, I can't call it wasted motion or otherwise, I, I don't know of a better term, but you're, you're basically eliminating an element of the play to a degree and making it easier to defend. So, specifically with a running game. So when Cone's in there, the run needs to be, I, I don't know what, I don't know what it needs to be because... We throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball with him. On the times it is good. And then we'll just, hey, let's run it right now. For no reason whatsoever. It doesn't work. I don't understand it. And I made the joke. I've been making the joke. And I might I might need to come out with an actual Tommy Reese bingo board. Because I was asked if that was like, is that a bit? Or is that a real thing? It's a bit. But I can make it a real thing. Because I don't understand the, the mentality of going down the field, doing a certain thing, and then it's like, he, he oh, I, if, I get, if I get this square, I get bingo. What's that square say? Oh, that one says, um, if it's first and goal, run it up your own ass for no yards, and then I get bingo. And it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, why can't the bingo space be, you know, uh, fake the jet sweep to Lindsay? Or, or but fake the jet sweep to Tyree, fake to Williams, and hit, like, Mayer on a shallow drag. A first-and-goal situation. I'm not a fan of Mayer drags all the time. But in a goal-to-go situation, it would be nice. Or you fake it to Tyree, fake to Williams, back to Tyree on, like, a swing or a wheel route. Or how about some some sort of Lindsay crossing pattern? Nope. Never, that's never the bingo space we need to be filled for Tommy Reese to get bingo. It's always some negative play that takes us completely out of our rhythm or everything's working. Quick, switch quarterbacks. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about our offense. And real quick, just when you thought it couldn't get any more fucked up, Brandon Clark's getting reps. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I've been I've been thinking about all this stuff, and then I just said it out loud, and it's hilarious. <laughs> it's <laughs> going back like how many weeks now? It's it, Pine's the guy, right? Look, it's Pine. Pine comes in. We do things. He's got he's got the McGregor strut. Man, he's doing things. He's making things happen. We're actually putting points on the board. Ta-da! Turns out Pine's not the guy. And it was really proven not to be the guy over the next few games because there were so many reasons and opportunities. Well, really, Virginia Tech has came in in Cincinnati. Look good again. But at Virginia Tech, it's like, if you're not going to play him now, I guess you're not going to play him. And then to compound that whole shit show, we take the bye, and we give Brandon Clark reps. And then Brandon Clark says, thank you, I'm going to enter the transfer portal now. Which, real quick... I don't blame the guy. It sucks. He had injury and 
it, that's football. It's the worst thing about football is no position is safe. You get injured. That's why these dudes want to play through injuries and um, you know not admit certain things because you don't know what's gonna happen. You know, Brendan Clark probably thought he was in good shape, but he was hurt. So now they bring in Jack Cohn. And that gives Buckner a chance to develop. Then Pine shows up, and he looks pretty solid. And Clark's kind of the odd man out. And it looks like if I'm Pine, he's probably the other odd man out. Because, again, there were so many situations and scenarios that I believe presented themselves to put him in the game, and they never happened. Okay, fine. He's not going to be the guy. All right, so let's take the bye week, and let's get Buckner going. I said it on the Virginia Tech recap. Let's get Buckner going, get him ingrained and familiar, and just give him more of the playbook and run the offense with that. That's what you want to do, so do it. And Cone can always be there, but what do we do from, you know, the – above sea level, if you want to look at it that way, from from the not going underwater and diving deep on the surface, cone starting, same bullshit, fuck me. So how many points are we going to be down before you decide to put in Buckner? Or how many negative drives are we going to have before we turn to Buckner? It's just, you... And that's... I swear... If we see that again, I I have so many questions and concerns about what this coaching staff does when you have two weeks to prepare and you have an opportunity to change things and address the obvious flaws in your team. And I don't want to hear that, well, we now we have Joe Ald at left tackle. Now we put Christophic at guard. So... We can now run our offense. Bull fucking shit. Go to hell. No, you can't. Because even when things are just so, what you're trying to do with Jack Cohn isn't fucking working. What is working with Jack Cohn is this up-tempo, two-minute type style offense. And I'm not saying run a full two-minute drill. No, you, you, you can't do that the whole game. I'm aware of that. I'm not dumb. But you can still run something with a little bit of pace. You you can. Like, you don't have to slow it down and just make it so damn easy. Because, again, USC is not some high school team. Number one, they've got talent. And number two, they can take advantage of our ignorance. And that there's no other way to explain it. If we roll out Jack Cohn with the same garbage... And I swear to God, if we take the ball first and run the same garbage and then punt the ball back to midfield because we went nowhere, I'm going to lose my shit. Because all it takes is one fucking pass to Drake London and boom, they're in field goal range. And whether our defense is playing good, great, grand, or otherwise, we could be losing 3 nothing. And it has nothing to do with how our defense really played. They gave up 20 yards of offense. We're down 3 nothing. Fuck. Because we decided we're going to run the same old dog shit. Told you. Still dog shit. You can pick it up. You can hang on to it. Bag it up. Do whatever you want. If you put it back out there, it's still dog shit. And I'm tired of watching it. I don't get it. So... What I was hoping for obviously isn't happening to an extent because we did hear that Buckner did get more of the playbook and he is available and will play and whatever. I'm just envisioning he's going to have to come in with our team down or in a game that's, it could be tied donuts to donuts, just like the Wisconsin game. Okay, no score. Pitching shutouts. And you got to bring in Buckner to get something going. And ideally he's got more of the offense and we can actually see something that's 
not one-dimensional. And, and we get some production. But why not just start from that point? And then have Cone be that end-of-half, up-tempo guy. He excels there. We've seen it multiple, multiple times now. There is, he does have value. I said that a few episodes ago. All three quarterbacks have value. But are, are we that ignorant we don't know how to use it? That's the part I don't get. I don't, I've never coached football and certainly haven't even come close to the D1 level experience. But are we that ignorant that we can't see what the weaknesses and strengths are of our quarterback room to make the most? What they're doing, they should be doing in reverse. Think of Golson and Reese. Golson was clearly the more talented quarterback. But he did have some, I, I guess, how I phrase this properly, but Reese was a good game manager. And he was like, he was never going to make that mistake. And Golson was a little... Freestyle, and you might make a mistake. So Reese would come in to kind of, kind of keep the game in check and and, and keep it in a, in a safe zone. Why can't Cone be that guy? Outside of the god awful pick at the goal line against Cincinnati, and the pick six against Toledo. Uh, other than that, he really I know those are two kind of big plays. I get it. But he hasn't been that awful with his decision-making, which is what you would expect. And I just, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't get it. But we, we can't play bingo. We can't have certain fucking plays for no reason that we got to check off to satisfy who knows what. And we can't. Roll out the same offense. It's got to be different. It has to be different. We'll know very quickly whether it's different or not. Most certainly. Most certainly. So, but USC's defense is not good. So, as long as we made some adjustments with Cone, you would expect to see some success. The, The problem I have with that, it's like, it's like a bad relationship. Uh, I'm, if you've never been in one, God bless you. You are a lucky, lucky human being. But if you have been in one, which I'm venturing to guess most of you have, if you've been in a bad relationship, it's like, it, now, mine would be my first marriage, but so there's a little bit more of a commitment to try to make it work, right? But you're in a relationship that you want to make work. But things go bad. and they. But then you want to make it work. So it's good for a minute. You know, like, it's you had a shitty week. You fought every day. Things aren't good. Maybe, maybe she even cheated on you. Who knows? Whatever, whatever your scenario is. But then you have, like, a great weekend. Like, oh, okay, well, this is this is why we're together. Oh, I get it now. Okay, cool. But do those does that weekend change the other 90% of the time that you and her don't get along and you fight about whatever it is and she's cheated and, uh, you know, just said horrible things to you. Whatever, again, whatever your scenario is that you might have experienced in a bad relationship you gotta just end it I don't that's what I feel like the Jack Cohn thing is it's like Kelly wants it to work he wants it to work so we're gonna play a bad defense and there's a good chance Cohn looks good and he's like see he it's been here but has it has it been there the whole time 
I think it's just it happened to be the right situation. It was the good weekend. It was, you know, you had the right uh, date night planned that you both connected on, and that's what you enjoyed. You know, it wasn't you're just sitting at home and you're going to fight. You actually went out and did something. So, unless we see a definitive and obvious change in this offensive style with Cone under center, I almost don't care how the statistics and what it, how things look because I'm still going to, in the back of my mind, go, okay, fine, but as the season progresses... Are we just going to hope every defense sucks? And I think North Carolina's does too, which is our next game, which that'll be a fun one to talk about because <laughs> you know where I stand on the Tar Heels. But is that the plan? That it works against bad defenses, so roll with it? Or are we going to make an active effort to change and adapt and then make it work? And if that happens, then I can have a little bit of a different viewpoint and a little bit better sense of comfort on what I'm seeing in front of me on Saturday night. So that's my big question. What is the offense going to look like with Cone now? So I've gone on for a while, but I I knew I was going to spend time talking about the quarterback and our offense and all that. But let's let's hope it looks good, guys. Let's hope that we took the two weeks and did something valuable with it. Best case, we change it up if you want to roll with Cone and adapt it to what he does well. It's quick passes. It's passes. Quick passes, up-tempo, get him going, get him comfortable. Boom, 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 put up some points. I can deal with that. I can roll with that. Um, worst case, um, it looks the same, but our defense steps up to the plate and shuts down this offense, which I think we're fully capable of again in their losses they've scored 28 27 26 but that has to do with the offense just chucking it all over and they're giving up 40 something when they lose so but I think our defense can shut them down so if it's the same old same old the other side of the coin is that Buckner did get more of the playbook under his belt and understanding and ready to roll. And he comes out and does what we think he's all capable of and just goes and does Tyler Buckner things and then we don't look back. Because if that happens, if that's the that's the, what happens, Cone comes out, we do nothing no points, no nothing, just just shit on the sh- fucking stick again. And then Buckner comes out, and the things we know he can do, he does, and it takes off. I swear to everything holy, it has to be Buckner from that point forward. It has to be. So, do I want that? That'd be kind of cool. Just get it, get it, get it going, man. Just get Buckner out there, but... That's at the risk of <coughs> potentially being down 10 nothing, 17 nothing, 3 nothing, whatever. Something to nothing. So if they want it to be Cone, let's hope they did something different. So my prediction is Notre Dame will win, but I, I don't, we're not getting to 40, guys. We're not getting to 40. Um, I think Notre Dame wins something like 27-14 or 27-17. I I would say 27-17. I think we barely covered the spread. I think that's where it's going to end up being. Um, I think USC will get some points. Uh, Who knows how exactly, but Drake London is a threat. we got to account for him. And they throw the ball so much, you never know. But I do think we're going to win. And I pray we don't have to 
start doing shots galore. Now, it might just be me and Jimmy because I feel like everybody else, Jimmy, if you're listening, I feel like everybody else is going to the game but us. So maybe, maybe me and you can just be on Twitter doing our shots. Everyone else is in the stadium. They don't know what the hell is going on on Twitter. Um, but the people going to the game, all you guys that live in the area, actually going to the game, have fun, man. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy it. Have a drink for me. You know, just enjoy it. Live it up. I look forward to the opportunity to get out there and do that kind of stuff. It can't happen right now, but let's all try to do this once a year somehow. Get the podcast together and just all the the ND community we made and friends we made on Twitter over the years. You know, try to find a way to get together. Um, But in the meantime, you know, we'll do shots during the game when it goes to shit. Or when it's going well, we'll do celebratory shots. We'll find a way to get shots in there. I'm sure we will. But we want them in celebratory fashion, not fuck this team fashion. So, but all you guys going, enjoy the game. I will be at home. Actually, by myself. Uh, fiance and my son are going to see her sister. So I I can yell in every room. I mean, I'm not going to bother nobody. But let's hope it's a good Saturday night. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate it so much. Again, find me on Twitter at 5FootNothingPod. And you can find me anywhere you get your podcast. You know, share, like, subscribe. You know, I, I appreciate it all, guys. I really do. I'm having fun with this. And I hope you guys are too. So, until Saturday night, go Irish, beat Trojans. Five for nothing, hundred nothing, out.